Podbean. Hello again, another episode of Podbean Election Edition 2021. This time we're moving on to Ward 5 and talking to Nick Becker. But before we do that, you know we have to thank our Election Edition sponsor, Little Beaver Brewery. They are sponsoring all of these episodes and bringing them to you. They are supporting us, so we hope you can come out and support them. One of the things I love about Little Beaver that I learned when Chad came on our podcast in the very beginning when we were doing this is that his daughter helps name a lot of the beers, his young daughter. And that's where you're going to get some of these really interesting names like Lil Witty, Pumpkin Magic, Silky Smooth, Cinnamon Maple Cheat Day, Nipa, Legendary Lemon, Pumpkin Pie with the symbol pie. You know, I'm a math guy. You know, I love that. There are 24 beers on tap at all times at Lil Beaver and also some cans that you can check out. A lot of things that you can go and experiment with. But... One of the things that my dad always says is my dad just likes a normal beer. He's just a normal beer kind of guy. He never, uh, he was kind of, didn't know that Little Beaver was the place for him. I encouraged him to go recently when they reopened, and uh, he sent me a picture afterwards with a glass of beer that he was enjoying, a lager, and he said he thinks he's he's, uh, wanted me to tell the owners that he is a new loyal customer and he's going to be a regular there now. So beers from... If you're like my dad and you like a normal beer, you can go find one. If you're like me and you want something that tastes like birthday cake or has a bunch of coffee in it, you can find that too. Go to Little Beaver. Meet all of your craft beer needs. And now, Nick Becker, candidate for Ward 5. And make sure to vote. April 6th is the date. April 6th. All right. Well, we are recording, so we will start in 3, 2, one. All right. We are joined here by Nick Becker, a uh, candidate for Ward 5, City of Bloomington, Alderperson. Nick, thanks for joining us on PodBN. Thanks very much, guys. I'm glad to be here and looking forward to talking a little bit. Yeah. So, Jeremy, I'd like to start off, just let you uh, give us a brief summary. Who are you? What, <laughs> give us a little bit of history. How long you been in Bloomington? Um, give us give us some information about you. Sure, sure. Um I like to start out if people ask who I am and, and I, I just tell you I'm a dad, right? I mean, that's kind of my, my mode. I have seven kids, um, eight, ranging from nine to 28, I think. Um, her birthday's somewhere around here. Um, you know, so I spend a lot of my, my time and energy just being a dad. Um, I just spend, I've been told even in my work world that I manage like a dad and that I see, seek out first to try and what does it take to grow, help them, nurture them, and give them work to do after I really get a feel for that? So, you know, that that tends to be my personality. Um, my wife and I have been married for 30 years. Um, every success I have is because of her. So we'll give her a little credit there. Uh, we moved to Blue- Bloomington 15 years ago, approximately, and have just loved loved living here. Um, so it's been, it's been really good for us, and uh, I look forward to you know, trying to help a little bit more as we go forward. That sounds good. And and to start off, just kind of give us an idea in our minds, where is Ward 5 in the city of Bloomington? Sure. Um, Ward 5, if you, if you want to think about it, um, if you know where Hedgewood is or if you know where uh, North Point School is, that's kind of the eastmost boundary is the, the eastern edge of Hedgewood. It goes from College Avenue down to Route 9 and all the way over to Veterans Parkway. 
And then if you go um, from Route 9 down to Tawanda and take Tawanda up over to Jersey, there's a lot of that that's kind of encompassed in there. And then just a little bit of like the Fleetwood area, even the, the Sunset Street. So Ward 5 is, I believe, the most diverse set of, you know, we've got everything in, in that ward. So it's kind of cool. It's not, um, you know, it's not all one uh, one type of house or anything like that. It's a very diverse group. Very good. And then the million dollar question is, is why are you, why have you decided to run for city council? What, um, what urged you to get involved and, and um, why put yourself through this campaign process and give yourself another job for the next four years? So uh, putting yourself through the campaign process, just real quick, that's been an education for me. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's quite the, uh, quite the commitment. So, um, but what, what got me to do this is I mentioned to you how much we love the community. And when we moved here, the community was really welcoming to us. I mean, it, it effectively put its arms around us and, you know, our church, our schools, everything was good. I've was active on both sides of town. It really felt like a unified community. And then I looked at, you know, the business side of things and I felt like, wow, this community is so much better insulated from downturns and things than other places that I've lived. And I've been in Peoria, Champaign, the Chicago suburbs, I thought, and other places out of state. But I thought the community was really insulated well with State Farm, Mitsubishi, the two colleges, the two hospitals, right? And now as I look at it over the last few years, even pre-COVID, right? I don't see the same thing. I see the economy being in a in not as good of a position. I see the city being divided. I see a lot of divisiveness in the city. And I really want to cities, I guess, to me, it's always been Bloomington normal. I, I know I'm running for Bloomington, but um, I really want to see if, you know, trying to help us get back to where we were again, I, I think that it takes people getting involved and working together and, and not just sitting on the sidelines and being critical of things, right? It's it's really a desire to to serve the city and to help uh, help us get back to where we were. Very good. Well, Nick, one this this is Jeremy. One of the things that uh, Justin's kind of taught me on this podcast is we get to you know power podcasts is we get to change the rules. So let's say day one uh, you're elected and we've changed the rules and said that you are uh, in charge of the agenda for for the city of Bloomington. So. Um, if, if that was the case, what would be the, the first issue or the first item that uh, we would start talking about to, to try to fix and address? Well, I'm going to change the rules on you a little bit with my answer to that one, just <laughs> to be fair. Um, you know, it, it would be the wrong answer to say, woohoo, you're in control. Do what you want. As, as a person governing, the first thing you do is you seek first to understand you have to get as many viewpoints as you can and dive into the details and get as much information as you can so that you really understand the situation. You know, I've spent the last three months now really trying to learn as much as I can about the details. And, and I feel like I'm pretty, I'm probably, I don't want to insult anybody. Let's say I know more than the average citizen right now, but there's still so much more to learn before I can make a you know, a, a, an intelligent and well thought out vote on a couple of the issues, you know. So I, I want to qualify this is you have to be careful. I, I've been a consultant at different times in my life and, um, and I do a lot of consulting in my current role. 
the worst thing you can do is come in and say, I know everything. And, and this is what's wrong with, with your situation and I'm going to fix it. You have to be prudent. You have to be practical. You have to really get that input and use your past experiences to maybe offer perspective, but you got to be careful. So Our, intro aside, I'll answer your question now. Sure, sure. Or maybe um, something you're hearing from your people that, that are a priority issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the big thing for me is the economy. Um, you know, we, we have to have, if we want this community back where it was, we have to get focused on really trying to give some stability to the economy. We need to, to uh, and I'll hit this from a couple of different angles, but we need to grow the foundational side of the economy, right? And that's, that's your Rivians or your Ferraros or things that bring in jobs and good jobs. And I, I don't want to be against a, a lower paying job for a second, but what we want to do is we want to provide jobs that help every person in the community have the opportunity to be above that, you know, median level of income in the, in this County, which is actually pretty good in comparison to some others. Um, so we want good, good high paying jobs for everybody. The foundational businesses can do that. Right. And when you get enough foundational businesses going, what happens is they bring money from outside the community into the community as they sell a car outside the community, right? So that money comes in and then all the people that are working for them, now they have their incomes and they take that money into the transactional side of the economy. So your, your restaurants, your shopping and things like that. We have to focus on both sides of that. So that's the big issue trying to bring businesses in and not just bring in new, but help make the environment such that our existing businesses can expand as well. So then we would say, well, it's not just about growth right now, because in order to maintain the status quo, we've got a lot of recovery to do. So we've got to help the businesses that have been hurting and, and really struggling. We've got to get those businesses open and operating. Um, if I want to be specific, um, talked to a lot of small business owners and a couple of them, if I lump their answers together here, you know, 40 years of their lives, really making businesses that are, that are who they are down the drain, gone from over hundred employees down to like 10 employees and just not sure if they're going to be able to come back. You know, we need to do what we can to help those folks. And, and it might not be a governmental thing other than removing barriers, it might be the community uniting to support the businesses, right? Um, you know, accepting that, hey, we got to buy local, we got to really work with our local businesses and really promoting that. So I'd focus there first. Um, I'll give you a chance to, to chime in. I've got a couple other areas that I'd go next, but uh, I want you guys to... I'll, I'll ask, what, what barriers would you think the government needs to get down to help spur that economic uh, develop, or economic engine back up? So um, one thing, you know, that's always a barrier for, for small businesses is, is taxes, right? Um, we, we absolutely have to make sure we're not increasing a tax burden on folks. Um, I, I want to see us actually get to a place maybe where through budget management and things that we can work with the city staff to, to find ways to reduce expenses and maybe even get to the place of reducing taxes. Um, the other side of things, you know, it's um, a little bit controversial, but you know, I want, I want businesses open. Um, businesses can operate um, safely, you know, so we need to do what we can to help the businesses be open. 
I'll give you an example of that safety. My team on, on my, uh, my company, we have to travel around the world. And, you know, in this pandemic age, we've been able to do that safely and stay healthy as a team. We've had one person come down with COVID. Um, thankfully, he, he was a very mild case and he was able to um, not have any issues with um, any of our customers or partners or anything. But in, in over a year now, yeah, it's been over a year, we've been able to operate very safely by following protocols. And I think the businesses locally can do the same. So I want to see those businesses open. And if there's anything I can do um, while on the council, I would I would work towards trying to make that a, a reality. Okay. Let's, uh, and I'm sure we'll, COVID's going to be brought up a couple of times throughout this podcast, uh, but let's try to narrow the focus for a second back to uh, your ward that you'll be running in, Ward 5. What are some of the um, trophies that Ward 5 currently has um, it's been represented by Johnny Painter uh, for, for some time now. Um, what are some of the things that she's done that you want to build on, um, but some of the highlights of Ward 5 currently? So it's uh, it's interesting you mention um, Johnny because uh, I've, I've spent quite a bit of time talking with her, and you know I'll, I'll openly say thank you to her. She's uh, been very gracious to share her experiences and you know, we might even come at things from a little bit different side of, of things politically, right? We might not be quite in the same place with our views, but where we are in the same place and what I want to build on is, is the desire to listen to the community. Um, she told me, in a, we took a walk around the ward actually one day. Um, she said, you know, the best thing about this role was when someone would call me and I knew the answer to help them. And I was able to really listen give information. She's like, I couldn't please everybody. Uh, there were some people that, you know, she, she felt like, you know, I'm sorry, but I just have to disagree. But she really took joy in helping the people and answering questions. And, and, you know, if I want to piggyback on one thing that, that she did, it would be that it was whether someone agreed or disagreed with her, she wanted to be a humble servant. She wasn't in this to say, Ooh, look at me. I'm a, I'm special. She was in it to serve. And so, you know, it's, it's not a specific issue to your question, but I really believe that, um, that that's the biggest part of this. If we want to, uh, I'll quote, uh, quote Pope Francis here, a Catholic guy, so I am more familiar with him, but he said, politics is one of the greatest forms of charity because it is in service of the common good. And I think that's a little bit of how, how Johnny looked at it. And um, I, I've gotten similar input from Jen McDade, who did it before her as well. Um, so, you know, both, both are people that uh, may have a little bit different view than me, but I think we all wanted to serve the city. And that's, that's how I want to piggyback on their efforts. Very good. What, what are some challenges facing Ward 5 specifically? Is there, uh, when you, again, staying within the boundaries of that ward, are there things you're hearing from your, uh, as you're going, you know, I don't know if you're going door to door or making phone calls or, or however, you, however you're campaigning, what are you hearing from those uh, that is important to them in that ward? Sure. Um, and I just realized my daughter says I say sure a lot when I do things like that. So uh, we'll give her a, give her a little shout out there for, for helping dad get a little little better at speaking here. Um, you know, what's what's coming up a lot. And actually, before I say what the topics are, is I went back to what we said earlier. 
this ward, I think, is more diverse um, in you know the the types of the positions that people are in around the ward. So we really can't um, you you can't make one blanket statement. And I think that's a, an interesting thing because it's nice. I don't think the city can make one blanket statement either, right? There's different needs for different folks throughout the ward. But one thing that's been consistent in the conversations is, you know, people always are worried about the infrastructure and the services, right? And yes, I want both of those to improve um, and I want to help that happen. Uh, but I also think there's some education that needs to be uh needs to take place as well because often when we you know let's take an example of your trash doesn't get picked up today well boy our services are horrible no maybe somebody made a mistake maybe you actually got it out later than you were supposed to right people always view it from their lens of i didn't get this service so we need to change the service and how it's happening and they may be right in some instances but we do need to educate on if everybody got the service they wanted exactly when they wanted it, exactly how they wanted it, our budget would probably double, right? So there is is a balance to learning that. So I think hear the input on infrastructure, hear the input on you know other other topics that they need, but also educate a little bit and help them to understand. Um, you know, we have some really good folks in the city trying to do things and trying to work on the the existing comprehensive plan for the next. I don't remember whether it ends in 10 or 15 years, but um, so there's plans in the works. Um, the next thing that's really high on the list um, is safety. Um, folks have brought that up to me at almost every household that I've talked to face-to-face is, you know, they really want to see a safe community. Um, to me, that starts with police and fire, making sure that they're um, funded well, functioning and able to get good response times and so forth. Um, if I want to give you a specific on that one, I'll go to the the, the Metcom thing, right? Uh, I really feel like um, from what I know, and I may not may not have every detail yet, but I really feel like there's, there's some safety issue by not using uh, a single single call system for the whole area. And an example of that would be there's times when you're in a location um, where you call in and it, depending on which cell tower picks it up, it could go to Bloomington or it could go to Metcom. And then there's times when you get put on hold, even on 911, where you could be transferred. The two systems don't track where the, the resources within the systems are. So there could be an ambulance right next to you, but if it's the ambulance for the other system, it might not be the one sent to you. You know, so I really believe that as an example would be something to, to look at. Can we find a way to get everybody on one system and, and really improve response time? Um, I'm even, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but even some of the first responders that I've spoken to, I think would like that. Um, yeah. And Nick, Nick, just to dig a little more on that. So are, are you more advocating for, a, you know, a Bloomington a, a, a return to, you know, get one system back in place or are you advocating for more of a uh, there's been proposals of you know combined services of fire uh, police etc between the twin cities you know put put the entire system together are, are you in either one of those two camps or what's your thoughts there so um 
that the the combining of the the systems is a is a pretty big thing and and I don't think I'm qualified to to say yes or no on on that one right now. Uh, I absolutely think a single call system is is the right way to go. Um, again, I don't have every piece of data, but uh, from what I know, I I would vote for that. Obviously, there's costs associated with that transition and things, and we would have to budget appropriately. And that might mean another project that was on the list has to wait for a period of time to to be fiscally responsible. But I think I would vote for that um, without any question at this point. So as a priority, you think that's the one of the highest priorities you can uh, bring it, bring forward to council, like you said, even if some other things need to be put on the back burner for a little while to get that going? Um, you know, I, I don't know that... Um, I think it's an important thing. Uh, the constituents here in this ward have brought up safety. They've brought up response time. So it is a high priority to say today, you know, it's one of the highest it is difficult to do um, without, you know, I, I'm, I, I don't mean that to, to be kind of dodgy to your question. I just think that it's prudent to really look at things right now. There's probably 20 different issues that people would bring up and guess what? In six months, there may be 15 different issues and five of those 20 still active. And six months later, there may be different. So we have to be really careful as I'm a believer that today we look at, we've got 10 priorities, right? And we start working down the top two or three and we get those three done. Now you say, should I go to number four? No, you shouldn't. You should see what's additional on the list. Did something jump? Do we need to reorder? How do we respond? How do we adapt to the current situation? And maybe number four really isn't the most important thing anymore. Maybe we need to go to a different item. So we have to be careful. Um, do I think it's important? Yes. Am I positive until I really dive into things um, that it's the most important? No, I'm not positive. Justin, I've been kind of struck here, uh, just just even talking this 20 minutes so far. Um, some of the some of the other candidates we've had from other wards, um, you know, catching the theme that while there's the local, you know, the O'Neill Pool for seven, or maybe it's the Veterans Parkway uh, ramp, or uh, or or even the Veterans Parkway issue from four years ago. While there's definitely local issues, the safety one is coming up, uh, yeah. kind of across the board. And and I don't know if that's a reflection. Uh, I mean, obviously, probably a reflection of what happened in January, what happened uh, last year, uh, civil unrest and stuff. But um, it, it is, it is uh, a worth note that this is something that we're hearing uh, through the candidates, of course, that, that people are talking about in, in every ward. So I, I, I can see why you're hearing that and we're hearing that as well. Great. So, Nick, we are about at the halfway point already, believe it or not. So um, at the halfway point, we like to play a little game. It's a little rapid fire. Uh, Jeremy's going to explain it to you. Go ahead, Jeremy. Well, so so I'm going to throw some uh, concepts and issues, and we're looking for the five-word or less sort of approach. So just real quick, first thing that pops in your mind, and, and uh, you know, if, if we want to expand on these later down the road, we, we can here. But um, first one is downtown Bloomington. Um, balance. Balance between downtown and the, the wards. Um, uh, important. Next, next one is Connect Transit. Um, the GM is the most important to me. Next one is O'Neill Pool. I wouldn't have prioritized a pool uh, with other things in place. Next one's Bloomington Public Library. Uh, library, very important. Not sure I like the price tag right now. Next one is uh, Constitution Trail. 
nice amenity, um, balance that one with other, other priorities. And then the final one is economic development. Critical. Very good. All right. And like Jeremy said, we might touch on some of those on the second half of the podcast here. Uh, But to start off the second half, I like to bring up the big picture that we've kind of touched on a little earlier, too, of of COVID and the pandemic, because it's it's all we uh, we're, 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 everyone's surrounded with it. Right. So we got to deal with it in our everyday lives. Um, how do you think Bloomington specifically has responded over the last year, uh, to COVID, uh, maybe from a di- couple different angles from the health angle, as well as the business angle, um, you know, mental health, you can look at it any way you'd like, but how have they responded so far? And then what do you think you can do as hopefully COVID starts to become an issue of the past? This is a very tough one because um, the the amount of information be, we're being bombarded with is just unbelievable. And depending on where you're getting your information, if you're like me, I try and get it from as many different sources as I can. There's a lot of conflicting data. So you could sit here and play armchair quarterback and say the city did this right, this wrong. And, you know, it, it's very tough. Um I would propose to say that any decisions around the the health factor, you know, we just got to go with the health department, right? And, you know, my I have two clients right now that uh, that my team has been at, the CDC and NAIAD, right? I always say that wrong, but um, so we've we've gotten a lot of information directly from them about the protocols that they use when we've had to go on site, right? And if, if they believed we could get on site safely and do things as long as we followed the protocols, I think we should have done a better job uh, as a community fighting to keep our businesses open because I, I think the, you, know, you can argue this, the direct impact of COVID, COVID versus the indirect impact, right? You know, the, the direct impact, I don't want to see anybody sick. I don't want to be, see people afraid of getting sick. You know, I got to go to the store, but I'm scared. I, I, don't, I don't want that. I, I want every person to feel comfortable. Unfortunately, I don't think I'm in control of that, no matter what position I hold. Right. Um, so I, I really think we need to do our best to keep businesses open. We need to do our best to allow people to, to make a living and to not get the indirect impacts. And, and I'll, I'll tell you that I've, I've talked to many that believe the indirect impacts have been worse you know, the, the isolation for teenagers, the inability to, you know, constructively vent a lot of that energy and stress through athletics and things like that. Um, so I, I really think hindsight, I, I wish more things were open throughout the time. I, I really do. And if, if it's up to a vote for me, I'm going to say, yes, we have to listen to the health department. We have to look at data. Um, but I'm going to push for things being more open. Nick, just to follow up kind of directly on that, you, uh, you know, we, we've, we've had cases where businesses here locally have decided to stay open. Uh, and, and, you know, there's been some controversy around that. Um, I know you probably are aware that uh, there's been fines handed out using liquor, liquor commission, et cetera. Um, what's your view on that? Is that a position that you support? Would, would you, are you taking a different approach? Do you think the city should be doing something different to help businesses? What, what's your overall view? So, you know, this is one of those questions, and, and I'm, I'm going to jokingly say it's kind of the trap question is, is no matter what I say, I'm going to make someone uh, someone upset with me. If, um, you, if you win, you got to get used to that. 
I I understand that. Um, You know, straight up, I would not find these businesses. Uh, I understand that that maybe you or someone else feels they should be closed. Maybe someone feels that the the um, executive orders that came from the state are right. There's just as many people that feel that they're wrong. Um, looking at what I've read in the paper, you know, our own um, own district attorney, I think, said that they weren't enforceable legally, and yet we're we're now fining people for things that aren't enforceable. I wouldn't find them. I, I absolutely wouldn't. Uh, there's, you know, for a business like I think Joe's Station House is the one that's in the in the news right now. You know, they're trying very hard to make a living and to support their employees. Uh, I there's no doubt in my mind that there's not one ounce of greed or one desire to do anything that's unsafe. They're trying to help their employees and make a living. And if you go over to East Peoria or you go um, even as close as uh, Tawanda or there, there's places that are open and they're sitting there going, why can't I make a living when other places can? Um, I, I think we should have found a way to stand up for the businesses more. Very good. All right, let's move. Let's move forward to some issues that are um, kind of affecting the entire city or the city as a whole. You had mentioned uh, two things during that rapid fire that I kind of want to bring together, and that's Connect Transit and downtown. Um, they just recently um, released three potential sites for a downtown transfer center. Yep. Uh, Connect, Connect Transit has uh, secured federal and state funds for those for that transfer center. So uh, city funds won't be going towards it directly unless there's some sort of partnership uh, in the future. But what are your thoughts on those three sites, uh, the transfer center as a whole? Uh, do you see some pros and cons to either of them or a preference? Uh, just give us your overall thoughts of that. Sure. Thank you. Um, so Connect Transit, um, I, I mentioned before, you know, when I, I think thought that the most important thing was the GM, you know, right now is, is who we get to, to run that group um, is going to be really critical. Um, the, the industry, uh, the transit industry and, and is changing dramatically. You're going to see transportation as a service. You may see a change in equipment. You may see all sorts of things in the next 10 years. And it's, it's going to be really important to have someone that has some vision into that. Um, I, I don't know all the details there, but I, I do think we could be in for a lot of changes. So the decisions we make now shouldn't just be, hey, this is great for Bloomington for the next five years. They, we really have to look at how that industry is going to change. And I think the right GM will really help that. So to your specific about the locations, um, and you, you also said, before I hit the location specifically, a lot of this is done with state and federal money, right? Maybe the, the initial project is, um, but there are going to be ongoing costs that I think we need to be very careful of and aware of. And, and I'd like to really see us take a look at those ongoing costs to make sure that we, um, you know, we're, we're aware and of the impact there. Um, the other thing is, I believe that you asked me earlier the impacts on small business. I said taxes. Well, the impact on individual citizens, taxes. Yes, that money came from state and federal, but guess what? All the citizens put taxes to those entities too. So we shouldn't just always say, hey, it didn't come out of the city's money. We really need to look at how is this driving taxes in general, just to 
philosophy statement. Um, but the three locations, so you've got uh, the garage, right, which I think the city owns that and I believe would be a teardown. Um, the question I have there is, is that needed for something else, right? Do we need that parking? Is that going to cause a, an unintended consequence that it, it makes other things in downtown less um, effective or efficient because of that? I would not pick that spot. Um, uh, the, the building across from the jail is is also a, a teardown potentially. Um, not really, I don't know as much about that building, but that wouldn't be where I would go. Uh, the Panagraph building um, is vacant. Um, if they refurb that lower level and then use the upper levels, maybe rent them out, maybe have some, some shops, and, shops and things that could generate revenue for Connect Transit and for the, the city, I think that could be a uh, a good option. Um, you know, if I had to pick today, I'd probably pick that option. Not just because of what I said about I, I think it could be feasible, but also in trying to really revitalize an area, I, I don't like to see good infrastructure vacant. Because um, what happens to vacant properties is often they get a, a little bit long in the tooth and a little bit run down. And and that doesn't help promote to other people coming into the community the, the vibrancy of what you want. So I'd like to see that one revitalized a little bit, used. I think it might be the best financial option with what I know. Again, at the beginning, I told you I don't have every detail. Um, that's where I'd lean right now on that one. So that that combined the two with as you wanted me to. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And I want to kick it to Jeremy uh, here in a minute. But before we leave downtown, um, I want to just get your general thoughts on downtown, um, the arena, um, small business downtown. What what needs to happen down there? You mentioned balance as a word that you brought up uh, during the rapid fire. Uh, if you want to expand on that and tell us your thoughts. Sure. See, I did it again uh, with the sure thing. Um, so, you know, if you look at um, the downtown areas and, and if you think of, uh, I grew up in Peoria um, and we tried very hard over there when I was growing up, there was the revitalization with the Civic Center and a lot of money was put in and it, a lot of money was lost. Right. I know our arena has not done well financially. I know we've had trouble with different folks in the management and we'll just leave it at that. Um, so there is, you know, it, it's a difficult task. I know we have a downtown revitalization plan. Um, it's on my list to get through that in detail and really understand it. I haven't gotten through it yet. Um, but the, the big key when I said balance is really looking at all of our efforts for Bloomington have to serve all of Bloomington. A vibrant downtown serves Bloomington. It's important, we need to work on it. We can't go 100% towards a vibrant downtown if that causes us to neglect the wards, right? So balance is, is a term that, I'm gonna switch the term on you. Um, I'm gonna say that our efforts shouldn't be in balance, they should be in harmony. If you think of a concert or a piece of music, right, at different points in a really cool song that you love, you hear all drums. And then in a different place, you hear all guitar, right? It doesn't have to be even all the time to be, that's balance. Harmony is at the right time, the right pieces come into play and we prioritize the right pieces so that we can do the good, the best for the whole. 
we're really going to have to look at all of the issues and say, okay, what can we do to help downtown? What's necessary in the wards to make sure that we're just spending money appropriately? I think if you focus in one place or the other too, uh, too exclusively, you end up uh, being out of harmony. Very good. So Nick, recently there was, uh, as you're probably very well aware, um, there was a presentation rolled out of various options uh, for changing over the intersection there at, at Veterans and Empire. Uh, you got right a picture there. behind you, don't you? Well, no, that's a that's a different different uh, thing. But but uh, I know that there's been uh, various conversation as to you know bridges, flyover ramps, and, and et cetera. Um, what's, what's your thoughts? Is there one that, that should be in the lead over the other? What are you hearing from your residents? You know, I haven't talked to the, the residents have not mentioned that one uh, to me at all. Um, in conversations I did when the, uh, first publication came out of the different options, right. I did go through and read that. My, my first reaction was yes, the intersection is inefficient. I've driven in Los Angeles. I've driven in Chicago. I've driven in Atlanta. Um, we, we sometimes need to understand that traffic does not exist in Bloomington normal, um, in a, in a greater scheme of things. So I want to be a little bit prudent about the change. A lot of the options, and I don't have them in front of me right now, felt to me too much. Should we make that intersection more efficient? Should we work with the state? And yes, we absolutely should. We want to make it more efficient, make it safer, make it more clear. It's a little bit convoluted the way all the all the, the turn lanes and it, it just doesn't make sense to me, right? Um, but I would, I would probably lean towards just simplification um, and do, do probably on the lower end. Again, I'm not thinking of the specific options right now, but I think some of it was overkill, largely overkill. Very good. So we, we have about uh, six, seven minutes left. I, I wanna give you an opportunity to let our listeners know uh, you do have an opponent in this race. Uh, what's some things that differentiate yourself from your opponent? Um, what are some distinguishing factors that the, that the voters can look at? You know, I, I don't like talking about uh, my opponent. I think we're very, very different. Uh, I've only met the man once. He seemed like a nice, you know, amicable young guy. Um, so I'm going to focus on where I think my strengths are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I believe that you need to be able to relate to a lot of people to understand them. You need to be able to relate from different levels. So I look at my experience, right? I've I've had every job known to man to some extent, right? I've been a third shift janitor when I was in high school. I've worked in a bowling alley. I've run my own small business for years. I currently am the vice president of a worldwide software hardware company's professional services division. I've done consulting for small businesses, mid-sized businesses, and Fortune 5 businesses, right? I feel like I have a great perspective and a lot of experience that I can bring to any problem that'll allow me to understand the views that just about anybody brings to the table. When it comes to diversity, right, I have had the opportunity to work through projects in Asia, dealing with, on the same project, probably... I know there was Buddhist, Muslim, Christian, Mormon. Um, there were the, the male-female issues. I actually sent a female project leader into Asia because she was the right person for the job. Um, the right person to lead the project from the customer's 
one of the sub projects from a customer's perspective was a woman. And you know how hard that is to get those groups to work together that way with all the differing views you have to seek first to understand and, and you have to have the perspective to bring all that together. You know, it's, I, I, I don't want to, to belittle anybody else's position, but I, I challenge the vast majority of folks. The only person that, uh, that I've talked to in the race that I feel is comparable and I, and I bow to her experience is Sheila Montney. Um, she is a brilliant, brilliant woman who's managed more at State Farm than the whole city of Bloomington. And she has a master's degree in government. Okay, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, I think that's the type of experience that she brings. The type of experience I bring is, is what we really need. And we both have the perspective um, to understand the diversity as well and try and unite the city. And I think others, uh, I'm gonna be careful, but sometimes we let emotions come into play and you, it's never good to tell someone their emotion is wrong, right? Our emotions are what we feel. But if we let emotions come into play versus being really pragmatic and working through the issues and getting the data and bringing all those perspectives and experience together, we often make decisions that will leave um, very, very bad unintended consequences and I think if we elect someone without the right experience, we're at risk of that. Nick, I appreciate that perspective. I, I know you mentioned Sheila is for, for the listeners. Is there anybody on council that when you kind of look at them, uh, currently on council, that you look and say, you know, I, I think my perspective aligns more with this person uh, than the others? Is, is there anybody where you guys are, are similar or um, most similar? I don't know all of them. Uh, I've only talked, I've talked to Johnny. I've talked to Donna. Um, uh, I have not talked to the others. So I, I don't, um, I, I don't have a good feel for that question. I would say I feel very comfortable that I can listen to hear, learn from all of them. I feel like I can work with all of them. Um, you know, different people. When I mentioned diversity before, it's not just diversity as, as people normally see diversity of thought is good. So even if we have differing perspectives, you know, that's good. Disagreement is good. Discussion is good. That's how you learn and grow. So it's not about getting just this homogeneous group. It's about getting all the diversity of thought in there and really using that diversity for perspective and the ability to, to bring the best solutions to all the people of Bloomington normal. Very good. All right, Nick. Well, we got a, a few more things to touch on uh, before we go here in just a second, but I want to make sure I give you the opportunity to tell our listeners where they can find more information about you and your candidacy. Do you have a website, Facebook that you want to make sure you steer them towards? Yes, I do. I, I'm sticking with just the Facebook uh, page for the, the campaign right now. I want a limited amount of energy, so I put it in one place. Uh, if you search uh, at sign Nick Becker Ward 5, um, you'll find it. Um, you know what? Uh, my email address is nickbeckerward5 at comcast.net. Uh, I answer every email. Um, I answer every message if I if it needs it. Um, every comment, I'll look at it. This is how I've done in my career. So I'm, I'm as available and as transparent as I can be. Um, I'm not going to say my cell phone number on the, the podcast, but it is actually on the Facebook page. And that is my one and only cell phone number. It is not a, you know, a, a campaign uh, 
disposable phone, right? You're not running a burner phone. Exactly. Very brave. Very brave. (laughs) Very good. All right. Well, um, we wouldn't be able to do these election edition podcasts without a sponsor. So we do like to take a second and thank our sponsor, which is Little Beaver Brewery. Five Finance Drive. So they're kind of in the southern part of Bloomington, um, near like the 150 uh, Veterans Parkway um, intersection over near that area. But they are a... uh, uh, craft beer. They have, they have been in business for a while. Chad brews some amazing beers, but here recently they have redone their entire facility. Uh, they have one of the nicest patios in all of Bloomington. I am sure of it. And they just recently got a kitchen where they're serving some great food, pizza, burger, salads. They have kids meals. I saw some quesadillas on Facebook the other day. It is family friendly. And with the patio, it makes it very easy to social distance. So don't let uh, COVID keep you away from a good frosty beverage and some good food. They are open 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. every single day, 24 beers on tap. Check them out on Facebook for the most immediate updates. Jeremy, what's your favorite beer out there? Well, so I actually can't drink beer. It's a weird food allergy, but but I I run the Brugula for years. Uh, Chad was very involved with that, and people were standing in line for that liquid, uh, the the one that tastes like mounds. um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, The chocolate stout one, but... Uh, his his funk grave maple. I know people like you mentioned before the uh, the peach rings. Yeah, he, he makes a huge variety of stuff out there. So really unique. He does, and like I said, the the food is relatively new, but um, it looks amazing. I, a bunch of my friends on Facebook are getting that for carry out and eating it there outside, and it looks really good. So be sure to check them out, and thank you to Little Beaver uh, for sponsoring these election edition uh, podcasts. So Jeremy, did you have anything else? No, I appreciate your time, Nick. It's been really informative and, and good getting to know you. Thanks very much, guys. And I'll, I'll echo one other one other thought since you brought up the, the brewery, right? These businesses are going to recover if we support them. So I, though I don't know this particular one, I encourage people to get out and support all of them. They need us to go out. And if we can't afford it, go out and spend money and be generous with your servers and the bartenders and whatever. If you can give them a little extra, they need it and take care of them. I think we all can agree with that. So, Nick, I want to thank you very much for being on the podcast, uh, taking an hour out of your weekend. It's sincerely appreciated. We wish you the best of luck moving forward. And thank you again. All right. Thanks, guys. Great to talk with you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.